One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. I mean, she just like me because I'm way greater than her. That's it. P- people keep trying to make it seem like it's me. I'm more vocal, but I never um had... How can I hit on somebody who got way less accomplishments than me in every category? We can go to the amateurs. I did... My amateur pedigree was better than hers. We can go to the Olympics. My Olympic pedigree better than hers. We can go to the pros. I'm five years pro, 12-time world champion. She's five years pro, one-time world champion. Let's just put this way. You're 12 and 0 as a pro, and yeah. you haven't learned to finish anyone. Say it again, That's baby. concerning. 12 and 0. Yeah, you haven't learned. You haven't learned to finish anyone. Are you changing the subject? surprise for me anyway to see Clarissa Shields have a hand raised against Savannah Marshall the scores that came in were 96 94 
such a performance. I'm so happy for her. You can see what it means to her. She's she's in tears right now. There, but there, she is. There's that thing about. I mean, yeah. we we talk about it a lot, and Adam and I will talk about this a lot in mixed martial arts. When you go into someone else's backyard and you fight them in the way that they fight best, which is what she did tonight. Even when she was in trapped in the corners in the room. Look at that. Look at victory, triumph, emotion etched on her face there right now with Mark Taffet, who's been with her a long way. He was a massive broadcast executive in in boxing. He has done so much for women's boxing as well. Absolutely. To the right-hand side of her there. Um, and, and, and Coach Jackson as well, who's a fantastic figure. Look how many, Peter Fury included, great figures from men's boxing are now coming over to women's boxing. We are genuinely seeing the transformation of a sport here. And, and this is one of those big nights that we'll never forget. I'm, I'm, I'm literally... One, I'm obviously delighted because my prediction came in of what would happen. But I'm actually <laughs> <laughs> but, just on a personal. Yeah, just on a personal. You level. want a bit of money tonight, Mister Cashel? Shh, keep that on the down. <laughs> but but to actually listen, I've been lucky enough as as we all have but to be up close and personal with Clarissa. Whether we're watching her fight yourself and you've been in there with her, you've obviously yeah. fought against her uh, competitively and sparred with her as well. When you when you get to see this in the flesh what she actually does from her footwork from her distance control from her ring IQ from her hand speed from her shot selection everything about it the way that she mixed this fight up tonight I can't explain to people obviously you listen to us on the radio it's, she's not just gone in there and rock and sock and robots for 10, 10 rounds no. she's really thought her way through this she's at times yeah I'll stand there and have a go with you then I'll mm. go on the back foot I'll let you have a little bit of a go and I'll catch you with counters yeah. it's absolutely elite elite level elite level IQ that we got to see this evening and I'm just so delighted that that played out and such a big audience got to see it absolutely you know you just when I say there's levels to things that that was elite level and it, it was just a, it was a pleasure to watch and just super exciting for that to be showcased in women's boxing on such an important night um, I, I honestly I'm so happy can I finish in this section and just say Ed We've been talking about a lot of dark, murky things. Yeah, um, we, we need transparency in boxing. We needed that. We've turned a corner tonight, and we, yeah. we've got a bit of light back in the sport, and our heads can come up above the parapet again. Brilliant stuff. Fantastic to witness something like this tonight. Shields, brilliant. Marshall gave her all. We couldn't have asked for any more. No, we couldn't. We couldn't. I think we've had a really good evening uh, this evening. I am uh, straight after this programme, in around about half an hour, going to go back and watch yeah, Mayor. Of course you are. Uh, Mayor <laughs> and Baumgartner, because I just want to make sure that my score in there was, uh, was bang up. And it will be 6-4 to Baumgartner, right, I'm calm telling you. Calm yourself down. Calm yourself down. <laughs> and I will 100% you. probably watch over the next 24 hours this fight that we just witnessed again. It was an absolutely fantastic night at the O2. Congratulations to everybody involved. My word, did boxing need that this weekend? Um, Michael Conlon's got a fight booked very, very shortly with Kareem Gurfey. Michael caught up with Gareth A. Davis this week to give us a bit of a preview. Well, I'm joined by one of my favourites in boxing, always has been. I always envy that tattooed cross and uh, a chain that he's got on his chest. I, I, I wanted to have one myself, but I thought if I ended up showing it to you, you'd embarrass me <laughs> with that. No, no way, Vid. Um, I would be, ple uh, be a pleasure to have you having the same tattoo. <laughs> when did you get that done? Were you in your teens? Yeah. Yeah, when I was 17. Um, I says I always wanted to get the rosary beads tattooed around my neck. And then I was going to get the tattoo and I was like, oh, I don't, I said to my dad, I, I don't know. I, I heard a sore around the collarbone and stuff. So I might just get it around my arm. And he was just, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. And I says, make it the no fear. And my arm says, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. So I came out and I went to the tattoo place. The guy says, what do you want? He says, I want it around my neck. But I was told it's too sore. And he says, you're getting around your neck because you'll regret it anywhere else. And I says, okay. Got around the neck. Called my dad in the stairs. Look, dad, I got it. And he goes, what have you done? He says, you're never going to get a job. And I says, well, thank you. I'm going to be a boxer. I don't need a job. He says, you stupid idiot. And walked in and out. <laughs> so he wasn't happy at the start, but he's grown to love it. When did I chat to you about it first? I think, did you get gold in Glasgow at the Com Games? Yes, yes, yeah, it was yes. Then, it was then we had a chat about it. Yeah. And, and you were, you, there was a grin pinned from ear to ear that day. A lot of people forget about you. You're 30 now. 
you were an amateur gold medalist as well, weren't you, in the World Championships? Yeah. Doha, seven years yeah. ago. Is that arguably one of your greatest achievements? I think it will be um, forever. Um, many people have won World Championships um, in the professionals, and especially from Ireland and, and, and England. So how many people have actually won a, an amateur world title? There's only two of us, me and, me and uh, Frankie Kevin. So it's... A great achievement. They create a history and it will live with me forever. So it's something I'll always be proud of. Tell me when you see now that EBA aren't really fulfilling the criteria under the new president, Kremlov, and the IOC are suggesting that, yes, there'll be uh, amateur boxing in, in Paris, Michael, 2024, but they're probably going to not have amateur boxing in the Olympics in 2028 in Los Angeles. You've experienced it, I think, twice, no? Is it twice? Yeah, it twice? yeah, yeah. two games. You're in, London. Yeah. You're in London, of course you were in London. London, as, well. London yeah. as someone that's experienced it, as someone that's grown through, you know, your brilliance has come through the amateur ranks, how big a loss is it to boxing not to have boxing in the Olympics? It's a huge loss. I know if the Olympics weren't in boxing, I probably wouldn't be boxing. You know, the Olympics is what got me into it, really. Um, my father... Obviously, my coach was was a big part of it, but watching the Olympics is what made me want to box. And uh, I I said from when I watched the two thousand and four Olympics, they told my mom and dad, "I'll be there. I'll definitely be there." And and you know, twenty twelve, I end up going and doing that and getting the bronze medal. So it's a major part of my career. Uh, the reason I think most fighters stay amateur and uh, and want to achieve what they achieve. Look at all the greats that have done it. You know the history around the Olympics. It's really, really special. And if it's taken out of the games, it'll be a very, very disappointing day for boxing. A very horrible day for boxing. One of the worst, I think. Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, Sugar Ray Leonard, um, Vasyl Lomachenko right now, um, Alexander Usyk right now, Anthony Joshua. You can just go on and on. I mean, so many. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, what, in your view, I know that Roy Jones Jr. wrote a, a letter to the IOC and EBA. What, in your view, can be done yeah, I, I I don't know what can be done. The the people in power should not be in power. Uh, and that's the thing, you know, even recently here when they have stopped, I think, Ukraine from entering the competition um, because the president of Aiba is Russian, uh, Umar Kremlin, Kremlin, is it? Kremlin, so, yeah. Um, so he has stopped Ukraine from com competing in events. Like, come on, this is... It's not. It's boxing. It's not politics here. We we are we're not involved in politics. It's, that should not happen. And the fact that that's happened is just like boxing is already on the verge of being kicked from the Olympics. Why would you do something stupid like this? They don't care. Um, they don't believe it will be kicked. That's in my opinion. Um, and that's why the actions are being taken of what they're being taken. I think there there was meant to be another election and it was cancelled. That's right. Because so many countries decided, no, we don't want another election. We're happy. You know, if, what what can be done? If you were to stand in front of the IOC committee on this, what would you say to them about how it's affecting the lifeblood of boxing itself? What would you say to them? I, I would probably say about how much lives they're actually affecting, not even just boxing. Like boxing saved many people's lives, especially kids in the working class. It saved so many of them. Um and it being taken to the Olympics, less funding and everything like that, boxing drops the 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 participants drop and all this. So, you know, I think it affects everyone. Um, not just not just amateur boxing. I think it affects normal people who take up boxing and want to become, you know, amateur stars and professional stars. I think the the boxing in general, professional boxing included, will all be affected because the conveyor belt which comes through the Olympic Games and. That's how everybody starts to know who's coming through everywhere. So I think it all it, it all will be affected and it's horrible. But what can we do? When you're when you won medals at the games, does 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 funding go into the Irish system there yes. from you winning yes. you and Paddy winning? Yes. Uh, the, when, when you win medals, it's how it's how how countries earn money and how, how, how they kind of get funding for the rest of the the, the ages in boxing and, and the rest of so the, the whole system would lose the money yeah. in the country from that Olympic yep. medal loss from not yeah. more, no more sport sports funding for yeah. for yeah. any of the athletes no yeah. more the money for to send them away on the trips and all this year so it's 
it's very disappointing. Let me talk about you and December the 3rd or the 10th, I can't remember right now. 10th, December the 10th, you're back in Belfast. You were there in August. You were yeah. there last August. How special a place is it for you to fight? Obviously, it's Karim Gwerfi. Um, how special a place is it for you to fight? And do you get more out of yourself there or is it more pressure on you? No, it's really special. I'm really looking forward to it. Belfast is is my home and when I go there I feel like I'm at home. Uh, I feel like a, I feel like a king at times, you know, when I'm fighting in, in the arenas, how I'm treated and how the fans turn out for me and it's unbelievable. Um I couldn't be more thankful for the kind of opportunity I have to fight there. Um but yes yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say more pressure. I would definitely say, you know, I, I have a different level when we come to Belfast. Uh it's always just I feel I feel just much more at home, much more at ease. Everything seems to flow much better. I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't actually. Would I couldn't put a, couldn't put my finger on the reasons, but it's just special. Where does this fight place you? Obviously, you're you are higher ranked in the world than him. Yeah. What's the positioning of this fight, and where are you headed towards with victory? You no, know, we're we're aiming for a world title chat in March. Um, you know, we're aiming for a world title chat on St Patrick's Day, uh, and that's that's our aim. But this is just. You know, stay busy, keep keep fighting before the year is out. You know, I I like to have three fights per year, and you know, this is one of them. I've got a tough test, and and Kareem Garfield, who's a five-time European champion, um, was beating Jordan until until he lost, and he's also in a fight a year contender as as well as I was, and I lost. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of to stay busy, man. Which uh, are you looking towards world title honors in WBA, WBO? No, I, I'm I'm ready to go for any of them, and uh, you know I know they're with, with top rank and, and the people connected in there will be able to move positions and get into the right position. You know, Garfi will will be a, a a good test, um, no doubt. Um, but I I believe I'm going to do a job on him. So so WBA does that bring in obviously Lee Wood again and Leo Cruz into play. Definitely, one hundred percent. And either or, I would love to go at. Um, I don't think Lee wants to fight me. I don't believe he was injured. Uh, when he pulled out of the Laura fight, uh, I just think that he kind of knew that that wasn't the fight he was going to win. And I seen that Ray Vargas is going to fight someone for the WBC. So, you know, uh, I think he just avoided that fight. Um. And there's the fate there with myself, but obviously he wants to fight Leo Santa Cruz. And it's unfortunate because he'll still be out. I'll probably have another two fates before he has even had one since our fate. Mm. Um, so I could have three in total. If he doesn't fight to March, most likely I'll have three fates before he's had one. Um, and that's disappointing as as a champion. You want to be active. You want to be, he's talking about earning money and, and wanting to stay active and you know, making the big, biggest, most meaningful fights for him and the higher, the kind of set himself up for after sport. But if you're not fighting, you're not going to be earning any money. Do you genuinely feel he's avoiding you then? Yeah, I do. I believe that he, he sees probably a high risk, low reward versus me. What would you do differently this time around, even though you were almost there to victory last time? There's not, there's not much I would do different. There's a few little tweaks to be made, but there's not much I would do different. Um, no, everything everything flowed way well. Maybe I, I I wouldn't have to punch him as much because I was punching him when they didn't need to punch him. <laughs> he was already already done. Um, at the end, as I say, it was just fatigued on me. So, you know, I I just need to be more smart with my energies. So you could almost it's a fascinating thing to say that you you were winning the rounds very um i say easily because it's never easy but you're yeah. winning the rounds by much greater volume of punches and what you're yeah. saying is you could actually throw fewer punches and win the fight easier yeah yeah 100%, 100%. i've got to ask you you know you're someone who spoke out very openly when you believe that there were cheating at the, the rio games where you didn't get your gold medal yeah. um, that you rightly fully felt was yours last week Boxing was plunged into a murky mire here, a murky, murky mess for a week with yeah. Conor Ben testing positive with Voluntary Anti-Doping Association and yet the fight still going ahead in the promoter's minds, the opponent agreeing. 
Yeah. Could you ever imagine agreeing to go ahead with a fight? I know you're all fighters and you might be getting massive. Yeah. Could you imagine yourself in the in the in the in the boots first of all of 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 Chris Eubank Jr.? Yes, I understand exactly why he was going to fight. He believed that there's no way in hell Conor Bain can beat him, no matter what drug he is taking, no matter what he is doing. He doesn't care. He's still going to fight. You know, he's he's earning some silly money, which, no. you know, a lot of fighters will never earn, and he's going to earn it in one fight. He's saying, why wouldn't I fight this guy? He can't do anything to beat me. He can't take anything in the world to beat me. That's how confident he was in that fight. So I understand his reasons for taking the fight, but do I agree with him? No. Anybody who's cheating should never be allowed to fight. Um, should be bound for life unless they can honestly say that, you know, there was a mistake and such and such happened and well, the reason why. Ben clearly deserves a hearing because he says yeah. he hasn't done it deliberately. He, he says he's a clean athlete. We have to give him the hearing. I mean, I haven't hung him out yet, but your feeling is if someone tests positive and it is a positive test and it's proven so, it should be a life ban. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, I've said that from the start. You may have seen the news that Paul Butler is going into the monster's backyard. That's right, Japan, December, for Noya Inoue, undisputed bantamweight championship of the world. This is how boxing is supposed to look. Paul caught up with me a little earlier on in the week to preview it. Yeah, it's a little bit more special this time round because it, oh, partly because I know I'm going into the ring as a champion this time. Last time I'd give it up within a month. Um, we'd already had the agreement that win the title, go back down to super flyweight, which was my natural weight. Um, so yeah, this time it's a, it's a little bit sweeter for me. In the immediate aftermath of obviously becoming champion, um, you were calling for the unification straight away. The man that a lot of people will have in their top three, at least on the pound for pound list, Noya Inoue, you were very vocal straight from the start. I want to be fighting for the Undisputed Championship. I've got the other belt. If he wants to dance, let's do it. There's a lot of people, Paul, in this game that do a lot of talking. Not a lot of people that do a lot of walking. So how delighted are you that this one has been finally pushed over the line and now made public this week that on December the 13th, you'll be in Japan, in his backyard, fighting for everything in this division? I'm buzzing, mate. Absolutely buzzing. Um, I could I could have I could have gone down easy routes. I could have had a voluntary one or two volunteers. Um, but if you want to challenge yourself to be the best, you've got to fight the best. And like you say, he's pound for pound. Arguably, he's definitely in that category. Listen, I'm in the sport to challenge myself to be to be the best I can possibly be. Um, and what better way to challenge yourself than to arguably give yourself the toughest task in boxing? Look at all the other weights. There's always there's always an argument that number one will be two, number two will be one. No one's talking about who who can beat in a way. Um, so why not give myself the the biggest task in boxing and and arguably, well, the best night in my life. I know you're a fan of all sports, I know, but obviously a fan of boxing too. That must frustrate you as a fan to see all this talk going on in all these other weight divisions and those fights not materialising. Of course. Um, Look, all the champions we've got. I know, I know we're close to Spence, um, Crawford at the moment. Um, hopefully they can get that over the line. You obviously want to see the likes of Tyson Fury, Usyk. We want to see Tyson Fury, Joshua as well for the Brits. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's a huge fight. But uh, yeah, I think you've you've just got to be patient. Like I know what it's like at the moment, waiting for contracts to be sent over. They're not always done like that. Do you know what I mean? They, they take time. You've got to you've got to send them to your lawyers. You, everything's got to be perfect, and for the big fights to happen, I think that's that's what you've got to be. You've got to be patient. And uh, look, I've known I've known about this fight for potentially since he beat Don Air, and we're only just yeah. announcing it now. Um, so that is how long it takes, and that's how long we've been in talks with him for. But my point is always that if the fighter wants it, it will happen. And you were, like I said, right at the start of this, you've been very vocal about wanting him. And maybe people will have looked at that and gone, oh, yeah, that's what he's saying. Everybody's going to say that. They want the undisputed fight. But when it comes down to it, really, really want it. Well, let's look at the facts. You said what you said. You're going to his backyard in Japan to challenge him. December in the build-up to Christmas and all that type of stuff. You've talked the talk, and now you get the opportunity to walk the walk. Mate, you don't need to look online that people are saying, are. Oh, Death wish, blah de blah, and then you've got people saying, "Oh, we hope he's getting paid well." I ain't getting paid as much as I wanted, but I'm still taking the fight. 
it's a it you're challenging for greatness i i haven't got probably half of what i wanted but you've got people saying oh he's being paid well because it's going to be a uh do you know what i mean but mm. i ain't getting paid as much as as much as people are banging on about i'm taking the fight because i want to challenge myself i'm in this listen i was a 10 year old boy i wanted to be a schoolboy champion i didn't quite achieve that i went and won the juniors i went and won a senior abas the next challenge was won a british title then a world title now now i want to challenge for the undisputed and and i've signed the contract i was first to sign the contract it was sent over the, within the hour Um, they got the contract they signed and, and we're here now we are here now december the 13th is when we're going to be here obviously watching you uh, go in the ring with Noya Inoue. I know you've watched plenty of tape. I know that Joe is a phenomenal brain when it comes to being a tactician and planning out a fight. What have you seen in this guy? Because as a, as a fan watching him, if you were to read a textbook, the way that he stands, the way that he holds himself, the way that he carries his feet, the way that he throws his shots, everything seems to come out of that book. Is that what you see as a fighter? Do you see any gaps, any potential things that you can take full advantage of? Yeah, before the fight was signed, I watched him as a fan mate, and I was, I'd sit there and I'd think, special, special fighter, um, and he is. <laughs> if you're in the pound for pound list, you're a special fighter. But there is gaps there. That there is slight openings. Um, did you get them from the? Yeah, did you get them from the Donair fight, the first one? The first one, yeah. There's a few gaps in there. Um, look at the Maloney fight. There's, there's, there's little gaps in there. Um, I think if, if you if you take the the big the big wins away, like like the Donair, the two Donair mm. fights, there was obviously gaps in the first one. And then you look away from the big big wins, like the the World Boxing Super Series. You look slightly away from there. You look at Maloney. I think it took him a while to get rid of Maloney. It it, it took him a while to get rid of his IBF uh, mandatory mm. challenger. I think that was last year. Um, and no one had really heard of him. I think it took him about seven rounds to get in and around seven rounds to get rid of him, and he had to do him to the body. Everyone calls well, he is the monster, isn't he? Everyone calls him the monster because he he blasts people out within a couple of rounds, and that that's the couple that's the people that are standing right in front of him. And uh, being a little bit ignorant and and not having not believing in 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 a game plan or like I always said, Rodriguez wouldn't last three rounds. And people were like, you're mad. And I was like, I'm not. He's a very, very good fighter. And if he came up with a game plan, which was to try and defuse the power for a few rounds, then he's in with a better chance. But he's too ignorant. He he, he believes in himself too much. So he doesn't want to take away his best assets for a few rounds to let himself into the fight. He had a good first round against him, a very good first round. And then, as pound for pound, great fighters do. I know he made them adjustments and it was over in that round. You must be taking a lot of confidence though into this fight because your last performance, as I've said to you previously, I think was, I know it's obvious to say that you, when you become a world champion, that's going to be your best performance, but technically it was. You did many different things in that fight. You did, yeah. you did it on the back foot when you needed to. You did it on the front foot. You stood in the pocket and traded when you needed to do it. You showed a whole arsenal of which you're obviously going to need for this fight against Neuer. Yeah, and a little bit more. Um, and I know that I'm not deluded. Um, I, I, I train kids myself, and I'm watching. I'm study boxing all the time, um, and I'll study in a way. Um, but yeah, I have to be very, very smart on the night, um, and I can't allow him to try and bully me the way mm. he does previous. Like, all right, it doesn't mean I'm going to stand there in the middle of the round, in the middle of the ring with him, and and unleash shots with him. But, but he, there might be a thirty-second period where you might have to do that. I'm, I am going to have to at certain points, but I'm going to have yeah. to pick them points, aren't I? It's not as yeah. if, like, he wants me to, or so I'll, I'll, I'll just fight with him just because he wants to. I've got to pick my moments, and I think I've done that well against Sultan. I think yeah. um, when I wanted to go, I went. I wanted to go a little bit more, but Joe was adamant, stick to the game plan, <laughs> be patient. But that's that's just me. That like I, I want to go, I want to fight, but I think as I've got older, I've got a little bit wiser, um, and the best way to win a fight is to win the fight the easiest way possible. And if that's to bully a kid and stand on his t- stand right in front of him on his chest because he's not comfortable with that, then that could possibly be the easiest way. It could be the easiest way than standing back and boxing him the way he'd like to box. I don't mean physically mm-hmm. the easiest way, but the easiest way for you to beat your opponent. How important is it, obviously with this happening in Japan, in his place, 
And obviously, it's around Christmas. Fight fans in Japan go wild over that December period for, for fights. So you know it's going to be packed. You know that it's going to be very pro him, of course. How important is it from your point of view to not fight the occasion and to fight the fight? Yeah, that won't happen, mate. Um, I've been taught since <laughs> I was a young It won't. I've, I've been taught since I was a young kid. I remember being on a club show, uh, our home club show, um, and I was giving it, giving it, you know, like to our own fans, like, I went in and I had, a, I had a right tear up and I got beat. Um, and I remember Maka saying to me afterwards, never, ever play up to the crowd again. Never let the never let the, the atmosphere take over you. Always listen to your coaches and always stick to the game plan. Um, and I think ever since then, uh, yeah, I have done. Um, and I, that's that's a thing since I was like a 12-year-old boy that has stuck in the back of my head. Never, never, never play up to the crowd. And just just rise to the occasion yourself and and let let yourself do the business. We'll we'll check this out. Obviously, Josh Taylor's done it from Great Britain, but no Englishman has done it in the four bell era. Nobody's no, done it know. yet. I, I found out yesterday. I think the last person was Lennox Lewis in the three bell. That's era. right, ninety nine, late nineties, yes. mate. Last time we had an Englishman that did it. Yeah, but and that was and that wasn't the four bell era. That was the the three bell era. So nobody's done it in the four bell. Yeah, so big chance, big chance. You may have seen the news this week that Josh Taylor has changed trainers. He is now working out the northwest of England with Joe McNally. Gareth A. Davis caught up with him to talk about the switch of trainer and hopefully get a bit of information about maybe a possibility of an upcoming rematch with Jack Catterall. Yeah, well, we don't know yet. It's obviously just with the lawyers and stuff. Um, obviously, I would like to get on sooner rather than later. You know, get it done, put it all to bed, move forward with my career, you know, but... Um, yeah, I'm just, I, I want to be out and be as active and as possible, you know, especially with this next coming two or three years. I want to be out and getting three fights a year at least, you know. Um, but obviously, there's lawyers and contracts and this and that. It, take, it takes its time. So I, I, there's nothing that I can do to uh, this. I'm doing all I can do is control what she's been in the gym, being fit, being active. And that that's it. You know, it's, uh, everything else is down to promoters and lawyers and all that carry on, which is out of my control. So, so you you're staying in the gym then? You're staying in the office day in day out at the moment, just even yeah. though it might be four or five months before you're in action. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm always in the gym training. You know, um, obviously, after uh, Ramirez, you know, becoming undisputed world champion, you know, I wanted to come home, I wanted to celebrate, and things were sort of locked down, still lot half locked down down here and things like that. And I kind of just took my eye off the ball, you know, with. We going into the next fight, you know, I, I stayed out too long. Still, was kind of cheating on my diet. I was kind of unmotivated, you know, because like I'd been to the Mount Everest, you know, the top of Mount Everest, and it was like yeah. coming back to climb Ben Nevis. You know, it was like that was that was my, the mistake that I made. I I couldn't get motivated. I couldn't get up for it. I couldn't get the the fire in my belly up up for the fight, you know. And that's that's the mistake that I made, you know. So I kind of then cut corners and and training camp and things like that. Come on, let's have a confession session then. So on your worst day when you're doing that, right? I, I know you like a beer, uh, like everyone does. If, you've, if you're on a cheat day with food, do you, you don't start with a, with a sea swim, do you, in Preston Pans? You go, you go down the local <laughs> cafe, don't you? Right down to the local cafe, yeah. And what do yeah. you have? What do you have? A full Scottish breakfast, you know, that would be that would be my cheat day, you know, my cheat meal, full Scottish breakfast, but yeah, haggis and bacon and eggs, fried eggs, tatty scones, there's a thing called tatty scones as well, which is amazing as well. You need to try them. Square sausage, full, full, the full works, you know, that would be the breakfast I would go for on out of camp. Obviously, to all intents and purposes, it's going to be Jack Catterall, your next opponent. Are you looking back over the last performance? For me, it wasn't hundred percent you that I'm used to. It it, yeah. it it was not the best performance I've seen you have. Obviously, you fought your way through it. Have you have you put your finger on what wasn't right on the night? Or I, I just that... I know what was right. I'll not be looking at the fight because I know that I was a shadow of myself. You yeah, know, I was I know that my performance is that's been my worst performance. Like even as an amateur, I could say as well. I was just I was just I was terrible. You know, it was just a one. I got the weight cut wrong because I was unmotivated and wasn't doing it properly. I took my eye off the ball, wasn't being properly dedicated 
and then two, the motivation wasn't there for it to train properly and train hard. And, you know, I, I took my eye off the ball, which is the mistake that I made, you know, and, uh, you know, obviously learn from, from the mistakes um, and uh, make sure I don't do that again. You know, um, this time, if and when the fight gets finalised and things like that, you know, you, you can be, I can guarantee you that that they can problems won't be uh, an issue this time around. Where would you like it to be this time? Obviously, I'd like, I'm still the champion, so I would love to be, Obviously, it's back in Glasgow for me. You know, um, at the end of the day, if Jack had if Jack had won the belts, I'd um, we've got the rematch on. I'd be go down to Manchester. You know, that's just uh, how it goes. You know, so I'm still the champion. So it's still it's still up in Scotland for me. That's where really I would like to have it. And how does it stand with the belts now? Well, I've let go three of them on belts now. So um, I've let go of the WBC, the WBA, and the IBF now. So I've got the WBO left. So it'll be the WBO life that's uh, on the line. And with victory in that fight, where do you go from there? I'm not really sure. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to make the same mistake again in terms of looking past things and looking into the future. I'm not making the same mistake in terms of, you know, once I win this fight, onto the next one, up, up to welterweight and things like that. You know, I'm not. I'm not making that mistake again. You know, I've I've learned from mistakes that I made during the last cap of my preparations. So yeah, I'm not be doing that again. Will you, at some point in your career, go up to welterweight? Do you believe? I believe at some point, yeah. Um, at some point, we'll go up to, will go up to welterweight, yeah, for sure. Um, you're not planning it. You're not thinking about it. No, right? I'm not planning it. No, I'm not planning it. No, there's still there's still massive fights there for me at 140 as well. You know, there's still there's there's a another fight with Progre. There's the Lopez fight. There's the Peter fight. There's a fight with Ramirez again as well. You know, there's 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 still huge fights at 140 there for me. So. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not thinking too much about the future. I'm thinking about what getting myself right, getting my head right, and getting everything myself right. You know. And another great matchup is Teofimo Lopez, isn't it? Yeah, that's a great matchup as well. It's a mega, mega fight. You know, it's yeah, a, I agree. That is a that is a, a a huge fight. That is a mega fight. You know, because he he is a big name, great talent, great fighter. You know, he's got the mouth, he's got the swag. You know, so it, it would make for a great fight. His fighting style is is fantastic as well. I believe he's a great fighter too. Tell me about the switch with trainers then. You, you're now with Joe McNally, aren't you? Um, so that's why you've got this yeah. drive to Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about the switch and the decision to do that. I just felt like I needed a change, you know. I just yeah. felt like um, in, in, in England, down in uh, Harlow, I just felt like I was getting a little bit stale, you know, picking up a little bit of bad habits, you know, getting taken away from what my... Sort, sort of going away from what my strengths were, you know, um what makes me tick and what makes me go well and the way I work and operate. Um, I kind of felt like I was losing it a little bit and going a little bit stale and picking up a kind of style that's not really suited to my style. But um, it was more just in my own head, you know. Um, I just felt like I, I needed a change. I wasn't really happy down in the surroundings down there. Um, I just needed a change. I just needed a freshen up, new start. And, you know, I had a little look at Joe and, we clicked straight away, you know, we clicked straight away and I like his style, I like his mentality, I like the way he thinks, I like it, I like his, he's saying all the right things. And I had a couple of sessions, we clicked right away and, you know, we're, we're, we've hit the ground running. So, yeah, I'm really happy where I am now, you know, and I'm looking forward to this next part of my career. One of the things that I've got to ask you about, be remiss of me not, is it's been <clears> a bit of a dark week for British boxing. Um, yeah. You know, with, with, with Conor Ben. Uh, returning an adverse adverse finding uh, from his VADA voluntary anti-doping association test and that fight being off last week with Chris Eubank um, and the way that it was pushed to the 11th hour and the way stuff has come out and what people are saying about boxing you'll have been talking about it as part of your lifeblood what's your take on the the promoters still appearing to push through with the event in spite of the the, the positive sample I think that's I think that's the wrong side of it. If it, if there's if there's been a a positive test, the, the fight has to get cancelled and it has to go through the, all the correct authorities and make sure everything's right. And you can't you can't go ahead with a fight when somebody's tested positive for something. You know that's that's ludicrous. Boxing is dangerous enough without someone testing positive for a banned substance. So yeah, no, the fight should have been cancelled straight away. And as soon as there was. Um, the findings and the results come back. It should have been. It should have came to light straight away, and the, the everyone should have been uh, notified and, and got made aware of it. 
presumably if you were in that scenario you would you have agreed to have, you probably would have knowing you you'd have said no I'll, I'll fight them regardless well i don't know if that is your view but a lot of fighters well, have I, I would i would have like for me if i was chris Eubank, yeah i still would have still went still would have went ahead and fought him you know but like i, I think it's it's got to be a it's got to be a set rules if you get caught with something like that you've got to be You've got to be banned, you know. I've already boxed against someone that was using peds um, in the WBSS, um, and after my first fight, uh, Ryan Martin tested positive for testosterone. And I think he got like a two-year ban. So it's it's got to it can't be one rule for another and another one Did for. Did he have the benefits of that when he fought you? Well, I I spoke about this um, with Shane and stuff after the fight that I thought he felt quite physically strong. You know, when I was up close, I thought it felt strong and solid, but obviously um, it didn't make any difference to the, the result of the fight. But yeah, he, he got banned. He got banned from it. And we can't have that in the sport, basically. It does have to be weeded out, doesn't it? Yeah, it does have to be weeded out. But, you know, it's, um, I don't obviously know the ins and outs, but it has to be getting, it has to be taken care of. Yeah, it has to be taken care of. Did you feel it was a dark week for boxing? Did you feel it yourself? And were there people asking? Yeah, you? I thought it def definitely didn't look good in the sport. Didn't look, doesn't look good for for Connor. Doesn't look good for Matchroom as well. Um, Eddie Hearn, you know, still trying to get the fight to go ahead and stuff after the after this uh, news that come out. You know, it's um, it, it's not good. It's not a good look for the sport now. But hopefully it gets all resolved and um, we can move forward and uh, people are, are tougher on people that are, that are cheating, you know. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, sadly, there's no major boxing coming up this week, but there is a bit of UFC. And as you know, on Fight Night, we do preview all of the top MMA. UFC 280. In Abu Dhabi, that's the destination. Me and Gareth give you a preview. Two big title fights and a card that is absolutely stacked. I was looking at this card the other day and from the majority of those that you would find on the prelims, they could probably headline quite a lot of these UFC fight nights that we're currently experiencing. And the main card has just got fight after fight after fight that has massive ramifications for various weight divisions. And if we look right at the top of the tree, I know it says vacant title in the lightweight division, but let's be honest, the champion has a name, and that name is Charles Oliveira. I know that he lost the belt on the, on the scales last time out, but he's the, he's the champ for me. The Bronx. The Bronx is just absolutely mustard, and he takes on uh, Habib Nemegomedov's prodigy, the former uh, lightweight champion, uh, Islam Makhachev, getting his opportunity now uh, to follow in his mentor's footsteps. It's a tough ask, because if we look at Charles de Bronx, especially over the last 18 months, Gareth, it has been ridiculous what this gentleman has done. As he's made his way into the lightweight division, 
Last 18 months, he has beaten Dustin Poirier. Mm. When I say beaten, I mean, I say finished. He's finished Poirier. He's finished Chandler. He has finished Gaethje. And now he's on the cusp of getting the opportunity of finishing Islam Makashev. There's an argument, and I'm going to throw a cat amongst the pigs in here. There is an argument that if he can pull this off uh, come Saturday, his resume, his legacy at lightweight, stands the test of times with everybody, even more so than Habib, and it's right up there with BJ Penn. There you go. I've said it. With the amount of killers that he's going through right now and finishing them in the way that he's doing, he could be in the conversation for the best lightweight of all time. He can, and I'll tell you why. Um, You go back... I mean, God, I mean... I can remember interviewing him when I was working before TV work. In the olden days. In the olden days. (laughs) Like, like, you know, I'm, I'm talking... I'm talking 2009, 2008 when yeah. he was around. He's been around a long time because the blonde-haired version of him has never lost, has it? Correct. Um, and that's like tw- 11 fights or something. Um, but when you look at seriously uh, his resume, <clears throat> I know he lost to Jim Miller. He had a no contest with Nick Lenz. He had a loss to Donald Cerrone, a loss to Cub Swanson, and a loss to Frankie Edgar in about eight fights. That was a terrible period for him. That was up to about 2013. He was 10 and 8 at that point. He was 10 and 8. In the UFC, he was 10 wins and 8 losses. But those losses as well were Anthony Pettis, Max Holloway, and Paul Felder, right? Yeah. So, you know, think about those names. He's got victory over Will Brooks, who's no slouch, victory over Nick Lenz, Jeremy Stevens, um, even Andy Ogle. God, I remember the axe, Andy Ogle. And if you look at that, most of those are at Feather. They're, they're, they're at 145 pounds, where he's when he's moved up in weight to 155. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a lot more comfortable. Yeah, he is. And uh, listen, he's 5'10", 5'11", Anyway, I mean, he's built like a beanstalk, isn't yeah. he? I mean, he literally is. You could, you could hide him behind a lamppost. No, but you could, you could. And 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 I don't know if he still comes to the prepping point with his glasses on, but he certainly used to. Yes, yeah, does. Now, how on earth? Right, right. How on earth? They must be reading glasses because. He can't be doing what he's doing with short sight, surely. Anyway, I'll ask, we'll him, I'll ask, I'll ask him that question you next week. You need to ask him because they must just be reading glasses. Because how does Superman? I mean, he is Superman, isn't he? In a way, yeah. He's he's skinny Superman, isn't he? You know. Um, but that that run to get back to the point, that run his last five six fights, Nick Lenz again. Um, he, he revenged Nick Lenz. He, he avenged Jim Miller. And then he's got Kevin Lee, who's a beast, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje. Yeah. That is, as Dana White would say, as the skinny version, which I'm so pleased to see, the 200-pound version, not the 230-pound version, Dana White, who looks fantastic. And I'm so pleased because he does carry a few inherent illnesses, and I'm really pleased for him. Um, as Dana White would say, that is a murderer's row right there. And he's finishing them. He's not, he's not, eking, yeah. he's not eking past these people. He's finishing them. There's only Tony Ferguson, I think, out of those that you've just mentioned. That there he's gone there the was distance. a decision, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. So the man that he faces <clears throat> next next out is Islam Makhachev, who has not beaten anybody in the top ten as of yet. I'm going to be honest. I think he's brilliant. I really do. I think he's here. He's been fast tracked because of his affiliation with Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, but we're going to find out on Saturday just how good he is, because in my opinion, he is taking on a guy that is in the pound for pound top three in the UFC. Wow. Uh, that's how highly I rate Charles Oliveira. Uh, oh, Charles Oliveira. Oh, yeah. Oh, no question. Makachev, is, that's what he's up against. That's what I'm trying to paint. He's, he's up against that level of opponent next and, week. And, am I right in thinking that he went away and worked on his striking with yeah. someone like Henry Hooft or someone? Yeah. Was, it, was it Henry? Um, he's... Uh, who was it now? Um, obviously, he works with the, with the Lima brothers. I know that, but... He went away, his striking, because he's a brilliant submission artist, always has been, brilliant. but he went away and worked specifically, and we saw the difference about three fights ago, his striking. Yeah. He's, he's, he's as dangerous on the feet now, and with his power, as he is on the ground, because it was always the ground that was his thing. And as you say, five out of the last six, yes, he's got his submissions, but he can knock people out now. Mm. What an added bonus. The trouble is with these Dagestanis... The most dangerous place on earth a few years ago mm-hmm. is that they don't give a damn, you know? And they train like you fight, you know? And then they fight like they're in a war. And they fight like they're made of stone. And they all fight like the leader. The leader. He's the leader, isn't he, the eagle? Yeah. He, he is the leader of those guys. And then you've got... Um, and, and I think 
is there not an argument that um, that around Khabib's group, he is going to find one or two pound for pound best in the next five years? Anyway? Oh, there's no doubt about that. Um, it, and he's got the and and alongside him because I've been to the gym many times in San Jose to um, Javier Mendes' gym and I love Javier who's now a little bit more in shape but you know he looked like he used to look like Tarzan when he fought mm. like Tarzan big swathe of hair and he'd be kicking he was more of a kickboxer Muay Thai fighter than, than an MMA guy of course and he's a very gentle man and I think the hardship that 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 Khabib brings in terms of the way they they have their discipline he's become his father in some ways hasn't he um it's it's made more gentle by the the, the Mexican element in the of Javier Mendes. Yeah, it's, it's called um, you know Mexicasian uh, San Jose because it's it's a lot of Mexican and Asian. Big beautiful place, beautiful place to go. And his gym is a beacon of light, um, and it's always great to go. Then Javier is one of those guys that improves people, not just as fighters but as 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 human beings. And I love that about him. And I, that's why I think he fits with. With Khabib, I'm, I'm starting to wax too lyrical about this, but I've got a love for them and that gym. I can tell. I yeah, can tell. Yeah, I've got a love for it. And, that, and, you know, but they've had some great fighters there as well. Rockhold, Cormier, all yeah. those guys have come through there. Um, Cain Velasquez. Yeah, yeah. It, but it's morphed now into, you know, um, Coldstone, Eastern Europe. Boof, the, 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 the group. If you want a tough training camp, you go there, don't you? Yeah. Uh, that's going to be your uh, your main title fight for the lightweight. Will uh, he win it? Like will, it? Will Makhachev win it? Um, at the start of the year, I was asked who I thought would be the champions in each weight division. Oh! Uh, at the end of uh, this particular calendar month, uh, calendar year, I said that Makhachev would. Oh! However, I've changed my mind. I you think can't change your mind. I can change my mind. No, you can't. I can. No, you can't. I, I think Charles Oliveira will win. Well, you have. There you go. I've changed my mind. <laughs> Charles, I think Charles Oliveira will get it done. I might change my mind again over the next seven days, but that's the beauty of a, of, of a top fight. Only experience is what he's got in this fight. That's all he's got over Makachev. Might be enough. Might be enough. Might be enough. It's a great, great fight. That's your main event next week. You've got a great core main event as well with Aljamain Stulin, who's really established himself as the bantamweight guy now, taking on the former bantamweight king in TJ Dillashaw. Disgraced, obviously, because he's been out of the sport for a couple of years. He was banned for EPR, uh, a performance-enhancing drug. That's your core main. Um, one thing that I want to get your thoughts on, Sean O'Malley taking on Pierre Yan. Sean O'Malley, obviously, ranked number 12 in the bantamweight division. So Has, entertaining. Hasn't really fought anybody, and now he's taking on the number one contender and former champion in Pierre Yan. This is a massive, massive leap for him. It's a p typical UFC bold move. And if he wins, it becomes a superstar. And he's loved by so many people anyway. He's so colourful, mm. beautiful human being, devastating fighter. It's almost like... <clears throat> There's something kamikaze about him for me. He just brings. Um, be a massive victory for him if he wins that. Mm. Massive. Um, you know, I'm getting quite excited about this card. You know, are you, are you going to be there? I am flying out tomorrow, yes. Oh, well, I'm flying out tomorrow. I'm nipping to Naples for a couple of days. Oh, yeah. Get my head out of this boxing. going to <laughs> stick my head in Neapolitan sand for Correct 48 answer. hours and have a little bit of a break. Correct answer. Uh, listen, I'll be getting you closer to this throughout the course of the week, so make sure you come and join me for it. UFC 280 is going to be an absolute crackerjack. We've had a good one tonight. It's good to actually speak about some uh, some good things from the world of boxing uh, that took place at the O2. Obviously, Deontay Wilder's back a little later on, and we've already previewed for you, Haney versus Cambosa, so keep an eye across that. Uh, and as the big stories do develop on boxing throughout the course of the next seven days, uh, you will hear uh, those breaking stories and opinion on those stories on TalkSport, so make sure you join us throughout the course of it. To finish the show, our guest presenter, two-time world champion Hannah Rankin. I think it's only fair that we ask her a few questions about herself since she did such a great job previewing uh, the undisputed fight at the weekend. Here she is. Obviously, recently, uh, a bit of disappointment for yourself yep. in, your, in your fight with Terry. What's the plan going forward? When can we expect to see you in the, in the ring next? Well, uh, very lucky that I was healing up really well. I got those stitches out and, uh, yeah. I, I, say, I can't even see a mark on you, mate. I'm very lucky to sort of heal a bit like Wolverine. It's always been uh, one of my advantages in life. Uh, you so... don't look like Wolverine, though. Oh, thanks, I hasten to add. That. We're on <laughs> radio you. and you do not look anything like Wolverine. I'll take that. All right, um, <laughs> But, yeah, no, so happy that I is healing up. So just going to give that a time to heal. So obviously want it to be 
as, as fixed as possible before I get back in punching, getting punched in the face again. Of course. Uh, but we're looking to get me back out at the beginning of the new year, sort of around about March time, I think, February, March time. Um, okay. Back into there and then back to chasing back to where I want to belong with those world titles. You know, I belong up at world champion level. So that's where I'm going to be working towards. Weight wise, what are you thinking? Staying at Super Walter. Excellent stuff. That's good to hear. Right. Okay. But so- if an offer came up to fight at welterweight, <laughs> I'd take it, you know, so to offer uh, opportunity to be a two weight world champion is always well that's an interesting thing that you've just said there and there's there's a few things that I'd like to pick your brains on because of everything that's happened over the last week I know that you'll have an opinion on it first and foremost we'll talk weight because there's loads of people I saw two lightweights who were going to be fighting in the early hours of the morning over in Australia on the scales yesterday and for me I I was looking at it through my through my hands a little bit with Devin Haney he looked incredibly drawn and I don't think he's he's for long at 135 Uh, we saw Chris Eubank Jr make weight of 157 lowest that he's ever done obviously for a fight that never happened last week yeah again looking incredibly drawn you just mentioned there right the fighters mentality is we take the opportunities where the opportunity comes sometimes you need to be saved from yourself because you let's be honest cutting weight and dehydrating yourself is a health risk it really really isn't and it's a danger in the sport absolutely and i think this is why it's so important that you do your weight cut safely you know like i i, I always say that as a professional fighter 50 percent of your job is to train to fight and get in there on fight night to to win and then the other 50 percent is uh making weight and if you don't succeed in doing that properly you're you're sort of failing at 50 percent of your job mm. and it's something that needs to be you know really you you start when you start your camp you need to be thinking about how you're losing the weight throughout the camp and i always aim to do it like that i don't like the idea of doing a massive water weight cut at the end you know because you're just putting yourself at risk then so these are important things to be thought about but you know i know for myself i can go to welterweight i've been to welterweight in my career before so dropping down to welterweight to fight um you know if there was an opportunity that came up for a title that's an opportunity that i can definitely see myself taking so with that then in mind would that then you'd need i don't know 10 10, 12 weeks, maybe even longer to readjust your training regime to be able to drop the weight properly to be able to get down to 147 rather than 154. Yeah, it's not a fight. It, you know, to take something at a lower weight than you normally fight at, you shouldn't be taking it on three weeks' notice, yeah. you know, because that's just dangerous for you, you yourself yeah. in the ring. But, um, you know, if you're getting offered an opportunity to do that and it's for, you know, a big title shot, you know, it's something you need to consider as a fighter because opportunities don't come up all the time. So. I think that's why fighters end up taking these opportunities that, you know, when they're presented, maybe more more so than they should or, or just sooner than they should because, you know, they're thinking, oh, four weeks, I can do it in four weeks, you know, when they've never been to that weight is, is a bit is a bit reckless and that's what your team's there for. They're there to give you good advice, hopefully. Of course, of course. Um, we had an interesting conversation off air about everything that's obviously gone on with uh, Conor Ben and not just the whole process. The whole process... Um, in particular connected to not just Connor but all fighters we were asking about or having a conversation about testing for performance enhancing drugs in sport you gave us an interesting story actually about an oppo- a time that you fought in Norway yeah. on a, a Cecilia mm. Breakhouse uh, Fascinating, card yeah, yeah. Um, just just go over that for us and then I'll ask you a few more questions off the back yeah. of it because I found that really interesting what you said about that so it was my third professional fight I chose to go over to Norway Cecilia Brackhouse was fighting Michaela Lauren um, over there and I've obviously been training partner with Michaela Lauren been sparring with her before that and uh, so I got an opportunity to be on the undercard um, but in the lead up to that fight obviously Brackhouse had uh, organised that the fighters on the card have VADA, test, VADA testing you know so every fighter on the card not just her fight but on the under- the card as well yeah so everybody on the undercard got tested as well so was this um, a cecilia brackhouse promotion was she it was her promotion right okay so which right. that obviously shows her in a good light because she's yeah. wanting to you know promote clean sport which is great um obviously i got the the 6 a.m wake up call <laughs> from um vada but you know so that was of no cost to you she saw it, it, it didn't cost me anything no they just uh, vada just rocked up at my house and i got tested and that was that you know and uh you know i i, I it was because of, you know it was a massive card but i didn't realize that that was why obviously she'd requested it and it was her promotion so she wanted everything done properly which is great yeah absolutely. Um, but then i've also been in quite a lot of high level fights uh since then uh, for world title fights and, and and various cards so i've i've had ucad and vada come around to mine quite a lot you know i've been tested regularly pre-fight pre-fight yeah so but you know when i had my fight for against terry i was tested in fight week you know so the day before the weigh-in um ucad turned up at the hotel and both terry and i were tested then we were tested after our fight on fight night as well so you know 
I, I for one feel like it's one of those things that I always get tested regularly whenever yeah. I'm training and whenever I'm fighting and things. Um, so I think if you're going to have VADA and you're going to pay to have VADA, then you'd be listening to their results, wouldn't you? Yes, I, I completely agree. And listening to the, your experience of being tested fills me with a little bit more hope because I've spoken to so many fighters this week and I've asked them the question, what's your, what's your testing history? And some might say, never been tested in my whole career. And yeah. some might say, oh, well, I've been tested twice in the, in, in the last three years. You seem to have that regular process now yeah. where you are being tested. So when you hear stories of other fighters that aren't yeah. being tested, what, what does that make you feel? I do think for myself, it's because of the fights that I've been in. I must admit, you're not as likely to get tested so often when you're not in world title fights and things. So okay, the, the earlier that, yeah. stages of your career, you might not be tested at all for your first sort of 10 fights because, as, especially as a male fighter, those are your learning fights. So you're not getting tested at that stage. But when when there's a title online, then... Uh, often testing is is brought into play then you know so and it depends on the card like obviously being on Cecilia Brackhouse's card she yeah. wanted that for her promotion so yeah we all got tested which was it, I thought that was fantastic to see her as the fighter asking for that for her card um, so yeah no it's I do know a lot of people have never been tested and, and things like that but it's just one of those things like it's important part of sport we need to have um, anti-doping that is you know, especially in combat sports what is um Sorry, you're holding your hand up there, Gareth. You're not at school, mate. You can speak. It's your show. Go for it. Excuse me, sir. Can I, excuse me, sir. Can yes. I ask a question from the back row? Of course you can. Um, and I want to ask you about, I mean, you're clearly an amazing musician, mm -hmm. um, classical musician. Thank you. you were a flautist and you're, you're a bassoonist now. Um, how do you bring the two together in your world? And does the music help the fighting? And does the fighting help the music? Yeah, absolutely, actually. When you got I, your bassoon with you? No, I did not bring oh, it. I'm really sorry, guys. Next time. I was going to ask you, I thought, nah, nah she's not going to bring next it. Time. Uh, no, um, it definitely does, because for me, they're both uh, forms of performance. You know, so when I'm on stage as a musician, uh, I'm performing under the lights and um, entertaining people. When As a boxer, when I get into the ring on fight night, I'm performing, I'm entertaining same people. Same focus then, is it? Same in sort a weird of drive, way. same yeah, sort of discipline, yeah. same way of practicing things, you know. that That's always how I see it. Um, and also, obviously, you've got lots of uh, the rhythm aspects of music as well. Uh, that transfers really nicely over to boxing. Yeah. Um, so all these things work very well for me. They work very well together. When you roll up with your colleagues and you've got black eyes and cuts over your eyebrow and, you know, <laughs> stitches in you, do, do they... Does everyone know what you do or not? Yeah, they all do know. They, okay. they all know these days what I do. But when I first started out boxing, I was a bit... Uh, I had to get a bit better at doing makeup. I was terrible at it before. And I had to get a bit better because having a black eye and, and yeah. doing a concert, it just doesn't work. Even if you are in, like, you all black. you find everyone in the audience <laughs> staring at you all night? Why is that bassoonist over there? Look like she's been in a street fight before she turned up at this classical concert in Cambridge or wherever. I just let it wash over me, you know. I just, oh, yeah, just, just what I look like. I just bad at doing makeup. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. It's uh, what made you fight? Um, it was definitely something. I used to do taekwondo when I was a kid, uh, so I've always enjoyed combat sports. Always been kind of drawn to that. But you want to do real stuff? Yeah. So, well, I wanted to. I Not disrespect to, to taekwondo. No, no, no. no I, mean, I mean, real no, I remember Dan Hardy, one of our <laughs> yes, great yes, UFC yes. fighters, MMA yeah. fighters, saying he did taekwondo when he was like five. His grandfather took him, but he didn't want to go in the Olympics and do competitive taekwondo because it's not a proper fight. He felt, yeah. you know, it's and it, scoring, that's yeah, what that's yeah. what I meant, rather than point scoring. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I wanted to get fit again at the end of my undergraduate, so I ended up doing um i was doing some thai boxing at the grip house up in glasgow and uh, uh you know as doing, you do hannah yeah well I, 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 <laughs> as you do a little bit of a secret about me is i've never really enjoyed going to the normal gym unless i'm just going to go for a run you know uh, yeah, i'm yeah. not that interested in going and you using want a challenge ridiculous weights things i want a challenge i want to go in and push myself and and i think combat sports gives you that it gives you mm. that sort of uh what kind of um mental switch off where you can just only solely focus on that so i've done jiu-jitsu thai boxing uh boxing and, and all of those i really really Great. enjoy you know um so that's like i got into it for fitness and uh yeah and then ended up becoming world champion yeah. <laughs> twice <laughs> twice, <laughs> twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly that's how it is and then no doubt it'll be thrice yes it's soon to be three times well, well, well that is an, an interesting place to finish because you've just obviously told us that you're staying at 154 we've heard uh, your old adversary uh, Clarissa Shields this week saying that listen if an opportunity does pop up that I uh, will go down and I'll go up or all the all these different weights that she's been speaking about but she has mentioned obviously you've just been in with, with Terry she's mentioned Terry's name she's mentioned a couple of the people's names so if she does
does come down, there's an opportunity maybe to revisit that because, as you said, that happened really early in your career. You you yeah. were very young in, in your professional uh, tutelage there. Absolutely. You don't have the Olympic background that, that Clarissa no. has, so therefore now with all the things that you've learned, would you like an opportunity to maybe have another little dance? Do you know, I've never even thought about it really because obviously she's been up there doing this stuff at middleweight. But she comes down to 154. Yeah, th there is a possibility there and I'm sure if there's a load of money on the table, we'll definitely have a fight again. You know, whenever we're working together, sparring and stuff, um, we're friends outside the ring, in the ring, we're in there to work, you know, and, and people would pay to watch our sparring, you know, it's, we really go for it and, and there's always things that we're trying to get with each other and it's, it's just a great learning experience as well. But, you know, I've never actually thought about getting back in the ring with her again, but if she is going to come down to 154, I'm sure it's a possibility in the future. Mm. Should if you're good in it as well, mate. Let's uh, let's if, if it was, a, yeah, I mean, if there's a lot of money on the table, I'm sure we'd both be up for it. There you have it. Thank you very much for listening to us. Hope you enjoyed that. If you did, please subscribe. You can do it on iTunes. You are looking out for Fight Night from TalkSport on there. And if you go to the TalkSport website, you'll be able to get an Android feed just in case you need a Spotify or something like that. So therefore, you never miss out on any of our upcoming boxing content. Also, subscribe to the TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel because there's loads of stuff on there as well. So you get to see us in vision. Catch you next time. 